You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 406. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we complete our look at the first season of the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. And I really am pleasantly surprised with the way things turned out. I hope we don't have to wait a full year for season two. Yeah, well, definitely not. Um, it was a really enjoyable uh, um, series. The uh, you know the the last episode especially I thought was was really pretty cool, you know maybe not dramatically per se but as far as like you know ending up the story and also you know tying up one story but also introducing uh, way more threads for new stories um, I thought yeah I liked it yeah I mean we were concerned for a little bit that maybe it was too heavy on the police procedural and too light on science fiction and and of course that shifted dramatically the the second half of the season so uh, it's really been difficult to find any information about season two which i don't understand it's the world wide web so i can't believe there aren't things written about season two and its production and i just haven't been able to find them in any language um i haven't really looked so (laughs) yeah and google translate obviously can Sure, translated sure. for you, so it doesn't so have to be I'll in English. keep looking yeah so uh so we will see um but if you guys would like to contact us with some feedback on what we're watching what you're watching anything it's sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com if you want to send us an audio clip just you know send it to that address as an mp3 attachment consider joining the facebook group if you haven't already I'm going to go more with a tip of the week this time. Uh, I did watch a HBO Max series called Mosaic, which is a murder mystery starring Sharon Stone, and it was okay. Pee Wee Herman was in it as a... Nice. Well, actual, Paul Rubens now. I, mean. I, I would say, yeah, I know. I would say as a serious character, and, and he was, but you know, he was still had a lot of Pee Wee in him. Um, yeah. But... Uh, you just can't unsee that. Yeah, I know. But for <laughs> Lucifer fans... It will be returning on May 28th to Netflix. And if you are a Lucifer fan, you know that season five was interrupted. So episodes one through eight of season five aired last summer. And I'm not exactly sure if the pandemic is what, I mean, certainly the pandemic halted production. I'm not sure if they intended a break or not. I can't remember anymore, but regardless the back eight episodes nine through 16 will be airing on the 28th. Netflix is great about getting critics uh, screeners early. So I've already started working my way through. It is outstanding, but unfortunately Netflix in their uh, information to the critics, uh, you know, just about everybody has what they call embargo dates. So in other words, you can't write about the episode until this date. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. We get it. Well, Netflix takes it a step further. Uh, don't talk about these six plot details until it drops on the 28th. I'm like, what the hell? You just told me that. I'm not even going to say, but uh, I mean, <laughs> so now I know this huge plot development which I haven't seen yet, but anyway, oh, well. Oh, like, oh, before you even see it, they tell, yeah. oh, that's wrong. Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, well, anyway, but still, it, it's just really been great so far. I've, I've knocked out the first three episodes that will drop on the 28th. And I know you don't watch the show, which I can't believe because it's Neil Gaiman for one thing. But anyway, Lucifer, May 28th, Netflix. All right, what okay. do you got? Well, I, I've, I have a, a show that I've been meaning to talk about for a couple of weeks now. It's actually not, shouldn't say a show, it's a movie. And I don't know if you see it. So have you ever seen Attack the Block? I have not, no. Okay. So you'll recognize a couple people, namely one Ms. Jodie Whittaker. Okay. And then um, John Boyega, I think that's how you pronounce it, from, um, you know, obviously the Star Wars, the recent, most recent Star Wars movies, uh, is in it as well. And basically, he is like kind of a uh, a thug in London, and and uh, Jody Whittaker is a uh, lady who lives in the the neighborhood, and they find themselves under attack by aliens. So there's kind of like obviously a lot of social commentary in there because obviously there's the the race uh, issue there, and also you know there's you know um, economic and class issues tied up in you know hey we need to all work together to fight off this alien invasion. Uh, it is a, it's a really enjoyable movie. That's, there's uh, some levity in there, like John Bo- Boyega's, I can't remember his character's name, but his crew that he runs with, uh, some of those guys are, are pretty funny. And, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of thriller slash horror elements involved. Uh, there are some genuinely scary moments in it, some very suspenseful moments. Um, and it's only like 90 minutes long, you know, so it's, it's not even like a full commitment, right? You can easy, easily sit down and watch it. So I, I had read about it for ages. Uh, I'd heard that it was a good movie. So I'm glad I finally, uh, you know, made, made the jump and, and actually watched it. So I would definitely suggest it. And especially since it's such a, you know, not much of a time commitment. Okay. And the other that I'm not really going to talk about, uh, because you really talked about it, is I started watching, uh, made for love okay and yeah. i mean i'm like six episodes in i think it's only eight episodes or something like that or maybe i'm maybe i'm five i think i got like three to go you know i give it so far okay i can't remember whether i think you said you'd really liked it right well i did i had my ups and downs with it as did my wife yeah but, i could see that but at 25 to 30 minute episodes it's easy to just say all right let's keep going i i will say i'm I'm really curious to hear what you think of the final episode okay yeah i mean obviously when we start getting into people's minds and things like that and you know virtual reality there's all kinds of plot options available here but uh you know there's just some things in it that i know are supposed to be funny but like Ray Romano's whole character, I mean, you bring in Ray Romano to be funny, right? The guy is funny as anything. But I don't really think his character is very funny. He's sad. He's really, really sad, but not funny. I think he's too sad to be funny. That's the thing. There's some aspect, like the one thing, like, I, won't, I won't say, but, but there, there's the, the first thing we learn about him when his because he plays the the girl, I can't remember the actress's name, but um, she plays the main uh, actress's father. And when she goes back home, we you know, learn something about him very soon that is supposed to be, I assume, 
funny, and it kind of is for about two minutes, and then all of a sudden it's not funny at all, and they keep the gag going. If it is a gag, I don't, I, I don't even know whether the if if it's supposed to be like disturbing and not funny, or if it's supposed to be funny and they just completely miss the mark. Um, but there's just so many things like that. It's it's hard to to laugh when you just feel so sorry for the characters, right? And most of the time, the main character I feel so sorry for, it's difficult for me to find humor in her situation. Um, So I don't know. We'll see when when I'm done. I'll I'll, uh, I'll fill you in. All right. Well, why don't we do a little bit of housekeeping before we get into episode six of Be Foreigners because- Good, because I've been telling you- all week to get your laundry off the floor, Dave, and I it's still you. sitting there, isn't it? It it most certainly is. Yeah, I can see it from here. But anyway, what are we going to do next? And and you and I have talked about you know a number of shows, and for a while we thought we might be doing Alice in Borderland, but we are not doing Alice in Borderland. Instead, yeah. we're going to do the HBO Max series. The Nevers, which is, of course, a Joss Whedon project. And, you know, there's a lot of drama associated with Joss's exit from the series. And, you know, we may or may not talk about that when we start our discussion of The Nevers. But you and I have both seen the first two episodes, really liked it. It's one of these where it's one episode a week. But we will not be starting that next week because next week we've got a, a really special sci-fi TV rewatch where we're going to bring our buddy Michael R. into the studio with us. And we are going to talk about witches in television. And it's going to be three guys sitting around chatting about their favorite witches, magic. Just we'll see what happens. Uh the three of us have certainly worked together in real life for a long time, and we've also recorded a podcast together. We covered the miniseries of the Arthur C. Clarke sci-fi classic, Childhood's End, back when we were working for uh, Daryl and uh, Golden Spiral Media, but mm-hmm. it's also available on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's get to Be Foreigners, episode six. Season one, written by Ilef Skodvin, directed by Jens Leens, originally aired September 18th, 2019. And, you know, a lot of times we, we compartmentalize different aspects of the plot when we talk about an episode. I, I was looking at this and it just seems like chronological is the way to go. And then yeah, I thought, I think so. But then I thought, let's just start talking about whatever we feel like talking right. about at the moment. That's kind of how it goes anyway. Right? Yeah, true. Um, but I, I guess the big reveal, and, and you know, as you said, there there's certainly some big reveals in this episode. The fact that we learn Alphader has traveled from the present to the past, back to the present. And certainly the government right. is still sending out that message that travel to the past is impossible, which we speculated for a while now doesn't seem to be true. Uh, Certainly Maddie, you know, I I guess brought that to light, but now we have a lot more evidence and she grew up Viking, which of course we knew we just didn't know it began at age. Again, I always say I'm terrible at, at 
<laughs> judging kids' age. What, what do you think? Yeah. She was five or so? Uh, um, maybe a little bit older. I'm thinking maybe seven or eight it, it looked like. Because she, was, she wasn't like, like a, a tiny kid. She looked like she was, uh, you know, pushing probably closer to 10 than five, I'd say. Right. So we learned that she just popped up in the water wearing an orange life preserver around 1000 AD and Tor Hun's father was alive and, and I guess he was the chieftain at that point and rescued her and, and apparently raised him, uh, raised her as, I don't know if he raised her as his own, but she certainly, he certainly raised her as part of his family. But I was going to say the big question, obviously there's tons of questions, but what's the deal here? I mean, was this an experimental phase of the time hole, which then raises the question, is it possible that these time holes are man-made somehow? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, totally they could possible, be naturally right? occurring. I mean, uh, I guess right, we could but, argue- you know, the, the government's involvement and in the fact that it sounds like some kind of government conspiracy would, you know, would indicate, I, I would, say makes it very likely that we're going to find out that that the time holes are man-made well it could be naturally occurring and that the government finds out that okay how can we exploit this so i mean it could be that but we also know that there are time holes scattered all around the world so i guess what i'm thinking is a, a time hole can't be an easy thing to construct if it is in fact man-made or maybe it is easy to construct i don't know but but certainly that's a question that we (laughs) i i I feel like a portal through which you could travel through time that's got to be something that's that's tough to build yeah the, the specs on that must be ridiculously intricate now you know we we've talked about alfeder's seeming ability to assimilate into 21st century culture and we have to believe that she doesn't have any memory of her pre-viking life sure which like zero right yeah yeah. so on the one hand i find that odd on the other hand it was probably a very traumatic event that that maybe she just blocked out and now that Tor has brought it to her attention, maybe in season two, we'll, we'll see her dealing with that, seeing what she remembers, perhaps seeing what actually happened that sent her from the 21st century to uh, the Viking era. But, you know, re- regardless, we talked about whether or not or, or rather how she was able to learn to read so quickly I mean, at her age, five, six, I, you know, I think most kids have started to grasp the basics of reading by that point. I, I'm certain you did. I, I know for sure that I did. So yeah. she had maybe a, a fundamental grounding in reading. Now, was she able to read during her life as a Viking? Who knows? But I, I guess we could explain her ability to pick it up as easily as she apparently has i mean again we don't know how long she's been in the 21st century but there it is yeah i mean it, it does kind of explain quite a bit about her you know like you know like and, and you know not the least of which as you said was her ability to integrate into um modern life uh certainly yeah you'd think that 
that uh, you know the fact that she is from this world would contribute to her ability to right and, and just the the background of how she went from the 21st to the viking era how she went from the viking era to the 21st you know perhaps we'll find out but i don't know about you but when i saw tor hund with his daughter and her orange life vest and her little blue soft helmet thingy and then we see the flashback right what are you thinking now well you know the i I will admit that the the first time that i saw this i thought the girl they fished out of the water was torah hoon's daughter but the second time it clearly was not like she was bigger uh she didn't have a uh a helmet on or anything like that so that would be a crazy time loop there if well, Alfie Deer was actually Tora Hoon's daughter from 2021. Exactly. She's, she's not. Well, we think she's not. I mean, I, I, I did screen caps. I'm sure Fred did screen caps, and, and she's wearing different clothing. The, the orange life vests are slightly different. As you said, she's not wearing the blue helmet, although that could have easily fallen off. Uh, you know, she has the the kind of reddish blonde hair like Alfeder has, but again, it probably not, but it, it's still there and, and you can't unsee what you've already seen, which then makes the scene at Tor's uh, migration celebration when everybody's dancing and Alfeder is dancing while she holds Tor's daughter. And I'm thinking, She's dancing with herself, yeah. But she's her, likely her not. But <laughs> yeah, right. Great song, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, no doubt. Would appear Maddie has traveled the same route, but like we said last time, we don't know how long she lived. And I'm making air quotes in the Viking era because her physical body doesn't seem to have changed. Yeah. It, it's just to deal well, with her long, long enough to turn the head of Olaf the Stout, obviously. Okay. And now they are clearly on a mission that they planned. And I, just so many great scenes in this episode. The one, you know, we'll talk about it in a little while. The orientation that, you know, the new arrivals are going through at the beginning of the episode. And, and at the very end, now, it turns out that it's Olaf the Stout. We don't, of course, know that at the time. Right. Is there something in your time called First a of all, because he's not very stout. You yeah, know. Well, I mean, guy. he's a big I mean, dude, but, you know, he's Oh, you not, mean it right. I, yeah, but, you know, he's, he doesn't really have any baby fat on him, you know? Like, I wouldn't call him stout. Right. I'd call him, you know, jacked, maybe. Well, uh, true, but you do have to maybe give him have a pro- word for Olaf the Jacked. That'd be way cooler, though. But. <laughs> well, you do have to give him props because he's clearly a Todd Rundgren fan. Dials her uh, number. Hello, it's me. Da-ding. I'm not you a Todd Rundgren fan, so oh I'm, not, I'm not with you there, bro. Sorry. Oh, wow. All right. Sorry. Well, I, I feel shame, but not yeah. really. I <laughs> uh, know. But anyway... Um, so then the question is, well, okay, how do they know each other? Okay, fine. They know each other from when she traveled back to the Viking Age. But again, not to belabor the point, didn't we think he was dead at 
Tor yeah. Hun's hand? Well, the, everyone's mad at Torah because he killed Olaf the Stout. Yet, now he can he say, is. hey, Olaf is alive and well, so leave me alone. And I guess our explanation is to simply hold up our hands and say, time travel. Right. Because. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, until we see Olaf the Stout come face to face with Tor Hund and see Tor Hund's reaction, I don't know what else to say about it other than time travel. Yeah, well, you wonder if, if you know, Maddie's trip to the past has not somehow now affected right. what, what has happened, right? Because, you know, like we, I only kind of am assuming that it went, she goes back, Olaf the Stout finds her. She says, hey, guess what? You're the patron saint of Norway. Actually, I don't know that because I was born after 2000 and my phone doesn't work, so I don't know anything. But anyway, you know, and say, you know, either you're going to die or, hey, if you swim in this part of the fjord, then you can travel to the 21st century. And Olaf Baby's like, well, bet let's go to the 21st century or something you know i mean just who knows what happened but and and who knows if if this isn't like the you know the, this is still in line with whatever happened to him historically that he disappeared and who knows right well right but the scenario you just laid out makes perfect sense that she's got a cell phone she's got televisions in the 21st century she's probably heard that there's this guy tor hund who seems to be all over the news because he killed the patron saint of norway so as you allude she probably went back you know dude's gonna kill you so you might want to whatever and like you said change the timeline and you know now here we are but the other thing is whether or not there's something unique about this time hole relative to the other time holes. You know, you mentioned the government, obviously they're exploring and exploiting the time hole and, you know, we'll get to Treen, uh, AKA Ada in a little while as well, but whether or not there's something specific to this one, we don't know yet. We talked last week about a possible war that seems to be on the horizon and in this opening scene which seems to be a, a relatively harmless orientation class for newly arrived uh time immigrants and then the one guy who we learn is olaf the stout speaks out against what he perceives as a perversion of christianity and it seems everything we're being shown has to do with same-sex couples so I'm wondering if what we're laying the groundwork for here is some sort of a culture war where the Norwegian Christians come and try to, and again, I'm making air quotes, purify their religion because they see it as having been perverted. And when you try to throw such radical changes at people that have no idea it's it's clearly a bit too much for them yeah i I don't know what the answer is i don't know how they should have had things presented to them but if if you want to start a culture war it it appears this is the way to do it at least for the uh for the people from the norse age sure and i mean 
if you look at it really anytime, whenever there's uncertainty, that is like the breeding ground for, you know, mega maniacal uh, uh, leaders to uh, step in and, uh, you know, not if, you know, we look at the, uh, you know, the late 20s in Europe or the, you know, early and yeah you know, i'm not saying lenin was necessarily mega but you know like the the russian revolution was certainly born out of a time of great uncertainty and suffering and and the nazis rose to such in such an era and you know maybe there could be made a case of america around you know like 2016 and stuff and you know but a time with of of tremendous conflict and uncertainty that seems to be norway with the influx of the the migrants seems like a pretty good breeding ground for uh the uh, you know a cult of personality like olaf the stout to kind of step in and you know give again air quotes as you say direction to the lost and you, you know in terms of these religious wars whether it's the the knights templars or the Protestant Reformation, or you know any of a number in between, it does seem to be you know brewing that maybe that's where we're headed. The other thing that we see in this episode is Lars and his imaginary friend, which you <laughs> called uh, certainly before I noticed it, and we, I mean, we certainly confirmed it last time, but we get even more here. But that scene where he wakes up in bed wearing only his underwear and there's blood on the sheets. He's blood on him. And on the one hand, we're not surprised. We're thinking like, all right, he did way too many drops, maybe gotten yeah, a but fight. still a little surprised that there was so much blood, you know? Well, true. And then he finds his friend in the other room with a halibut that they found in the time hole. And, and of course we know all of this is just Lars and right. his personality has fragmented. And on the one hand, he asks Lars if he has any hair gel because he's got a <laughs> Tinder date. And I, I mean, I think it makes sense to then look at that as something that is a desire of Lars that I, I would like to find a companion that I could have a relationship with. So even though we don't see any indication that Lars is actually on Tinder, that whole idea that he would like to be. So I, I, I love the way they use him in that regard, his, his imaginary character, that is. Also, it almost gives him another person to bounce ideas off of. Sure. And the, just that the way his mind is working at, at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fascinating, I mean, now that, especially now that we understand the reality of it and, and certainly it's very painful when we get that confrontation you know with his daughter mm-hmm. and alfador and uh yeah probably made, even called it an intervention well absolutely and, and and even before that where uh his, his drug dealer and i you know i finally looked up his name and now i can't find it Mabe <laughs> or something like that I, I did not once catch that dude's name well, I don't think they ever said it. I finally just looked uh, it up okay. in IMDb. He says, it's time for a drop stop, my friend. Yeah. And he's just so on point with that. And, and, and Lars is, is really taken aback when he says, uh, I'm, I'm not dealing drugs anymore because my wife is here now. 
and I want to get my family on a different path. So you have to love that because it's really what Lars needs to do and, and get his family back on a, you know, a positive path. And, and I, I think the beauty well, for it me, also indicates that we know that wife went in there and did some, <clears throat> some, uh, you know, made, probably made some demands, right? Because when he was, it was him as a single parent taking care of his son you think that would be, you know, the time we'd say, "Oh, I got it," you know, to be a good example for my son and everything. Uh, but it's only when the the the, the woman folk uh, enters the house that he, all, all the all the nonsense stops. Well, and that's true. And and I guess you could argue, on the one hand, as a immigrant from the Stone Age, his skill set is somewhat limited in terms of sure. making a living in the twenty first. So. While that's not a good argument, really, at any era, it's at least understandable. But as you said, I'm, I'm sure she got him off that path and, and onto something positive. And, and what I love about that intervention scene and, and later the scene where his family, his son and his wife, are cleaning the mess that has become <laughs> Lars' apartment, it's, he's got all these people that care about him deeply and want to help him and he is willing to accept their help which right. we don't we don't often see with drug users exactly right like um you know you you almost are, are waiting for him to be like leave me alone get out of my life but he he you know it's that that really kind of poignant moment where he pulls the drops out of his pocket and he gives it to his daughter and that's like the admission that okay i i need help and i'm I'm willing to to accept it and to to do the work, right? Which is basically what his buddy tells him. You know, you gotta you gotta do the work, which is also what uh, you know Sam told Bucky in uh, Falcon and the the Winter Soldier. But you know, the, the the way to redemption is by going and, and actually on a real level trying to make up for the bad things that you did, right? And I wanted to say last time that he was hitting rock bottom and then i kind of backed away and you were like no no no, he he really is and when we see him meet alfeder in the parking garage for an update on on the uh the case i mean he's rambling and you just see the worry on her face especially after he tells her that he's working with a guy whose name he doesn't know well look him up he was in the first arrival group and of course she does and dude's dead which i mean certainly explains that we weren't sure exactly what the deal was even though we knew however it was going to play out he's not real but now she knows he's not real and then when ingrid shows that video she's got on her phone and, and we remember that confrontation mm-hmm. vividly from i don't know first episode one or two i forget and it's just him without his imaginary friend it's just really striking and if he needed an extra push to try to get clean i i think he has it but that that certainly did it yeah i think watching that like he you know objectively was unable to argue against that yeah and i'm not sure who's more devastated ingrid or alfeder who touches his shoulder and and just really appears upset as well and you know we've talked about 
I think way back, you know, are we shipping these two? And, and I kind of think we said at the time, well, hope maybe not. And maybe let's just see them, how they function as partners and, and go from there. And there really is this affection that the two of them show. And, and what I love from her end is this is a shield maiden and not that she doesn't know how to show affection. Of course she does. And she's had relationships, but it's this tender side of her that we, we really don't see very often. And when she sees her partner in this state, it just, you know, I mean, it's devastating, but again, his 17 year old daughter, it's gotta be even worse. Yeah. You know, in, um, you know, part of last episode when, you know, obviously he is just, everything is falling down around him and no one seems willing to help him. Right. He's just becoming this huge train wreck. And, you know, like at work, as I mentioned last week, you know, I think nowadays if someone came in and admitted that they had a substance abuse problem, that, the first step would not be to fire them, but to try and get them some help. That doesn't seem to happen. But now we see this episode, finally, that um, people are coming around to try and, and help Lars out. Yeah. To get outside up cleared is easy. To get inside up cleaned, now that's another hoop of herring. That's <laughs> okay. words to live by. <laughs> no king. Nabo, N-A-B-O, that's his name. Okay. And he suggests an apology tour. Which, again, it's, I don't want to say it's hard for Lars to go to his ex-wife's house and apologize because despite their, you know, picking at each other, mostly her at him, and, and we understand it. She, she realizes her ex-husband, who has a relationship with their daughter, is a drug user. But he goes there, and once she realizes what it is he's doing she softens a little bit and, and i love the fact that he really wants to apologize to gregor's as much as to her and she's like yeah, he was devastated by that but he'll he'll appreciate you stopping by so yeah again that's that's a relationship that i don't know how important it really is to the overall arc but it is one of those that, that I enjoy keeping an eye on as, as we go through it. So, sure. you know, we'll see if the two guys sit down, share a pipe again, pipe and a brandy or whatever it was. I forget. Uh, vermouth? Maybe? Vermouth. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. But the case itself really starts to come clear. And Yepa and David, you know, the two cops, the... Uh, Oh God! The Harbor Police. The Harbor Police, uh, yeah, right. That you know, their involvement. You know, while we certainly get some clarity on it, you know, they're they're certainly very small pieces in this elaborate puzzle. And I guess they're running some sort of a prostitution ring. Uh, yes, using female immigrants, but it appears to be a smokescreen so that people don't look at what's really going on in the lake, which is the time hole. Well, I'm, I'm I, because, you know, we get Ada's explanation. I actually rewound it a couple of times and we get her explanation of what's going on. It, to me, it seemed like 
the you know what Yeppe and David had going on was separate than the government hokey pokey that's going on, you know, and that they just kind of like you know Ada's investigating. She wants to go, and they're they're going to kind of put a mole in there to find out what's going on. The government's doing, and instead she gets swept up by the guys who are yanking girls out of the water and put in to force them into prostitution. I, I, it seemed to me that they're like two separate things. Like they're not really involved in, but of course he calls the major though, doesn't he? Well, he does, but I agree with you completely. And that, that was my point that, that they don't have any, at least I don't think they do any involvement in what's going on in the time hole other than it, it, it's like an easy way to grab women for their prostitution ring and that right. they don't really know what's actually going on with the government and whatever it's doing with this time portal of course they know it exists but when they do mention the major you know so so again maybe they have a contact but like you i I don't think they really have any insight into what's really going on so it's almost like they've been given this opportunity deliberately and it's a perfect cover for what's really going on there. Well, either way, what we can definitely say about Yeppe is that if you are dating a cop who's investigating around your illicit business, there's a couple things you should not do. One, do not send pictures of your penis when evidence of you getting a bite mark from the murder victim that your girlfriend's investigating, or not girlfriend, I should call her, but this woman who you're interested in is investigating, don't send that picture. Yeah. Cover up the bite mark. Okay? So that's the first one. Secondly, do not donate DNA evidence to the police officer who is investigating around the murder that you committed. Are, are you making air quotes when you say donate Yes. DNA evidence? Okay. When you Good. deliver your semen to her <laughs> willingly. Man seed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is not a great idea if you are planning to get away from a murder. So it's just things like you shouldn't do. Probably you shouldn't have a lot of contact at all with the police officer. As attractive as she is, uh, you, you probably just shouldn't be dating and having sex with her if she's investigating the murder you committed. Yeah. So all kinds of bad things happen. Well, well, you know, as all of that is unfolding, which of course leads up to her arresting and putting the cuffs on Yeppe, which of course she gets a lot of pleasure. But even before that, when they're back at the precinct and Erickson's trying to get an update on what's going on. And then he sees Lars in the office and asks her, you know, what's he doing here? You got to ask him to leave. And she tells him basically chill. I'm going to fill you in. You're going to like what you hear. Just chill. I'll, I'll handle this, which you have to love. And on the other hand, you have to love that Erickson recognizes oblivious as he is to so (laughs) much that he recognizes what he has in these two. And ultimately it's going to make him look good. And neither of them cares about the glory. They're just about the job. So it's win-win for everybody. Yeah. Including 
the female, she's I guess, the, the chief of police. Oh, you're right, right. Right, and, and, and she sees what's going on as well. So, you know, it's, we don't often see that in these bureaucracies. Right. Well, yeah, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the cliche is the, the rogue cop and the, uh, his superior who's frustrated with him and always calling for his resignation and making turn in his badge and his gun all the time and stuff like that. Yeah. Instead, he offers uh, Pilates, to come right? with him to Pilates. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's nice. So we get that high-powered, well-dressed woman who comes to visit Yeppe, and we, of course, at first think it's a lawyer, but n- not not at all, informed that the major's hanging him out to dry, and, and who the major is and how much involvement Yeppe has with him, actually, we don't know, but, but we get the idea that nobody's going to come to his rescue at this point, and he's going down for the killing of, you know, the woman who you know, may or may not have been a prostitute. You know, Erickson's multi-temporal investigation team's given credit. They have another cake to slice up. Alfeder gets to put on her uniform once again. And, you know, on the one hand, she looks as if she enjoys being in the uniform when you'd think she'd be totally uncomfortable with it. Maybe it's just because she knows it's only going to be for an hour or so, but uh, right. you know, just just like the other scene. But it's also you know the the symbol of of her rank and stature and status, um, which something would have been a, a big deal uh, back in the you know in the the eleventh century. True, uh, that's true. I, I, you know the other thing I, I forgot to say though about Erickson is when Lars tells him, you know, celebrate if you want, but the case isn't solved. And of course he's like, well, what do you mean? And, and he tries to explain it to him. Erickson's not buying it, and, and you wonder why is he not bright enough? But again, I, I've mentioned that my wife and I watch a ton of crime dramas, and the number of times that the powers that be don't care. We've got our guy. He's found guilty. Let it go. But, but no, we. so is that Erickson? Maybe. You know, I mentioned earlier in the uh, podcast about the spoilers that netflix uh, has thrown at me <laughs> regarding lucifer fortunately we didn't see this coming i mean at least i didn't when when uh tor is having his celebration in the park everything is going great they're dancing it, it's just a joyous celebration and we see white turtleneck guy and yeah. before he leaves He's got these framed pictures of past Norwegian religious leaders on the wall. Not that we needed that to drive home the fact that this seems to be some sort of religious zealot, because we certainly got that at the fight club. But he's running a bingo session. So whether or not he is some sort of a preacher, we don't know. But he packs the gun, never a good sign. No. And the next thing you know... Erd, who is getting hit on by the guy that uh, apparently she had an unfulfilling sexual liaison <laughs> with earlier, is is angling for a second chance. She instinctively sees what's going on, gets in the way, shot multiple times, and and's killed. And and just again heartbreaking. As much for her, I mean, on the one hand, she got to go out on her terms. She did, but it's crushing. To Alphader. 
Yes, right. Because but, this is not the first time that she's left her. Correct. And right. this time it's kind of for real, you know, for forever. Yeah. Yep. Well, not really because, you know, as I mean, she doesn't know, but we know that the time portal goes both ways. So, you know, I mean, that does leave a future possibility that, you know, our heroes go back in time. You know, well, so. yeah, but and we haven't really established what the rules are for the timelines. So, right. in other words, is there another Erd in another timeline, or is this the one Erd who has been moved from one timeline to another and, and there's still only one of her we we don't know right. that yet but I, i'm saying alfie could go back to the 11th century and see Erd again back there before yeah. Erd travels to the 21st and potentially even go back and say hey don't go swimming in the fjord well good point good point i don't, um, I don't I, I, that seems like ridiculous that that would happen but i'm just saying it is a potential potential thing um, now, you know, just, I, I just want to say, as you said, you know, Erd got to go out the way she wanted to. She was not going to do chemo. She was not going to treat this disease at all, despite Alphadir's attempts to frame it as a, her next fight, right? As a, a great battle to be fought. She wasn't having it. She wasn't going to do it. She just wanted, she would rather die because uh, again, She's not really happy in the 21st century. She's displaced. She still she doesn't dress in any modern clothes. She still dresses in her 11th century clothing. So she is out of time and out of place. Well, not necessarily out of place, but kind of, mostly out of time. And she's not having it. And here she gets to go out a heroic death, uh, giving her life for her Lord. That's kind of exactly what she would want to do. Yeah, and at her funeral, Tor starts that chant, never doubt, always fight. And we understand that that these are Norsemen and women who have adopted Christianity and, and you know, let the belief in the gods go by the wayside. So is, is this going to be the catalyst that will lead to a war? I mean, it, it certainly can't just you know go away i i can't imagine that erd's death is going to no. have no greater meaning so at this point no, we don't definitely. we don't know but you talk about things that don't make sense did they really need to hit lars over the head with a shovel <laughs> for uh ada you probably just to say, ex- hey ada needs to talk to you exactly all right okay yeah. so whatever she explains why they faked the migration, you know, to learn whether the government was conducting experiments on immigrants, which we kind of assume they probably are, but they didn't figure the harbor cops were going to get in the way. So, you know, we certainly get some insight into that. And, and, and we pieced a lot of that together. And I think I had mentioned either last week or the week before I, I, I could see Ada working with Lars and Alphadur. Sure. And, and, Good. And That's certain- a great call. Right, and I certainly see that happening unless Ada really fears for her life right. as some sort of a government target, which, of course, we could believe as well. You know, we, we talked about uh, Tor telling Alphadur about the memory he had and, and, you know, how 
she came to be in his sphere. But the last name he's he gives her, Alfeder means no man's daughter, or, or Alfeder's yeah. last name means no yeah. man's daughter. daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And, so just really quickly about that scene, it's something that threw me off. Then you mentioned that it was Tore Hoon's father that pulled Alfie Deer out of the water. And that that definitely is the thing. So the the younger guy there who is clearly supposed to be Tore Hund, you know, the, the first thing they show about him is he's kind of like rubbing his hands and his wrist. I like I'm like, whoa, you know, like Lars, right? Like Lars, like the the whole thing about his wrist and his hands and everything. So when I first saw him like Oh my God! Is this is this Lars? Is this why he was taking the temproxit? Is is he um, a you know someone from the past? And then of course they realize it's it's not. But I I still feel like somehow there's something about Lars, and that I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere we find out that he was originally from the past, and maybe he traveled to the present when he was very young. And so he doesn't really remember not ever, you know, his, you know, long ago past. So I don't know. I just, I, I, I get that they were, they, they weren't showing the hands to kind of connect him to Lars. They were showing him the hands because he was young, had blood on his hands and his father was assuring him that it'll be okay. You know, that you'll well, get over it. Well, you know, I mean, some might perceive it as blasphemy, but as I'm watching this episode, especially for the second time, I, I, I keep in my head, I'm going back to dark. And while I'm not sure I'm ready to place be foreigners in a class with dark, you know, there are a lot of positive similarities in, in the way sure. things are unfolding. So, uh, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, <laughs> then when, Lars finds her drinking at the bar and he wants to go through, you know, what he's found about the case. And she's like, uh, no, all I want to do is, is drink and dance. And then he just offers his hand. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a dancing policeman. I don't know what I am anymore. And, and of course that resonates with her because she's just had her world turned completely upside down on so many levels. Right. And, my gosh, if that's an excuse for anybody to get drunk, it, it's her. So Sure. You know, but call an Uber to yep. get home safely. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and, and also we see with, with Lars, just like instead of fighting the intervention, he accepts it and accepts the help. Um, he shows up. He's really charged up. He wants to talk about the case. Alfie Deer says, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, all right, we'll not talk about it. You know, like he res- – he totally respects her wishes and he's going to go dancing with her. And so who knows, will we be shipping them soon? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm good either way. I think, I, I think Lars, if we, if they get involved then that would make a messy part of the, you know, and, and they, they would both lose their kind of their lone wolf status. And I'd like to see him keep that lone wolf status. Well, I would as well, and I think they're going to have a lot on their plates when season two arrives, especially when we consider that final scene in which Maddie gets off the bus, enters the ruins of an old Norse church, 
And then we see she's brought a shovel, starts digging, unearths an ancient sword, cross and necklace. And given what we know about what likely happened to her, it's not totally you know, out of place. And the shirtless dude who we, of course, learn, learn is uh, Olaf the Stout, comes riding in on a horseback. Is it really you? She asks and gives him his things. Let's go save these heathen mongrels. And they ride off together. So, you know, we have talked about whether or not there is a coming culture war, religious war. This would seem to indicate that there is definitely Uh, going to be. Yes, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) So is it a matter of the original Christians, which isn't anywhere near accurate, (laughs) because I guess the original Christians would be just after about the thousand years before them yeah Yeah. right right but this is still a thousand years before you know us you know us so you know are are they going to try to drive out what they see as a perversion of their view of christianity and return it to you know what they say see as a more pure form i would think yes and likely lars and alfred are going to get caught in the middle somehow and we will see. Uh, all right. Um, anything else we haven't talked about? No. I mean, I think we pretty much covered everything. You know, I was just wondering how the archaeologists missed that, uh, you know, Olaf the Stout has a sword buried in this, you know, church. But I guess there's a lot of stuff buried all over Norway, so you can't really blame them for that one, I guess. All right. Well, let's w- hear what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Before Us Season 1, Episode 6, the Season 1 Finale. Coming back to last week's podcast and the discussion about uh, Madeline's teeth. First off, it really could be an idea that the Madeline that came back is not the same as the one that went to the past, or wherever she went. Secondly, you said you don't get such teeth as a teenager in just a few years that you lived. Well, if this Madeline lived in the Viking time, I don't know how long it takes that your teeth look like that. It also depends very much on your menu. Big question is, are these teeth just rotten or are they discolored by eating certain vegetables, roots, whatever? We, of course, see a lot of the adult Vikings have the same kind of teeth. Well, if you have these kind of teeth as a teenager, then you have nothing left as an adult. So I think it could be quite possible to have such teeth as an older teenager, 17, 18, 19, something like that. Another topic is, of course, the Viking-Christian wars. And indeed, having Torahund now here in our time, as well as Olaf the Stout, it could result in a new Viking-Christian war in 2019, the year that I think this series plays. Furthermore, of course, is a big reveal that Thora remembered that when Alfhildur is fished out of the water that she was wearing a modern time life vest, which could mean that Alfhildur is actually coming from our times and that perhaps even her parents are still alive. So traveling up and down to the Viking time and back is obviously possible, 
but it remains unclear what the Stone Age time and the Victorian slash Bohemian time has to do with it. Last podcast, I wondered what will happen with Lars now he is suspended. Well, that becomes more and more clear in this episode that he is still helping Alf Hilder as a kind of unofficial sidekick. I think it's quite nice that everybody wants to help Lars. So his whole addiction problem, we see even his old supplier, the Stone Age guy that is living in his apartment building and Alf Hilder and Ingrid. Everybody is trying to convince him that he is hallucinating and that he is really going down and try to help him. Even his boss, Harold, is trying to help him with the suggestion he could go with him to Pilatus sessions. As amazed I was last episode more or less by the increased use of the eye drugs, I'm as amazed as how easily it seems that Lars is not using it anymore. It actually goes quite well with him in that regard. A bit too quick, I think, to feel realistic. I think we have too many unclear things for the end of a first season. Of course, and as surely if you know that you get a second season, you can leave some things unclarified. But I feel it's a little bit too much, and that's why I will give this episode, as the last episode of the season, a B-, minus, something like that. And for the whole first season, I will give it a B. I didn't like this series that much too many nitpicks and if you look at my feedback always uh, it's most of the time five six minutes if i talk a lot about other things like in this season i talked a lot about the other series i watched or my feedback is clearly less than five minutes that's always an indication that i actually don't like the series at hand that much Okay, you talked about Alice in Borderland and I watched the first episode and my prediction is that I will talk about quite some other stuff than the series at hand if you choose it as the next series to podcast about. But perhaps I will be pleasantly surprised. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, we'll get to Fred's grades in a second. Um, The one thing he brings up, though, that I hadn't considered, which I absolutely love, are Alfeder's parents still alive. Yeah, true. And that's a very real possibility. Sure. And given that she has access to probably a ton of databases, will she start searching for them now i don't know how she's going to go about searching for them we never really got an answer as to why yepe took that strand of hair from her and put it in a plastic bag as we said at the time probably you know some sort of a dna analysis but now that he's in prison for murder yeah on the other hand getting getting dna the wrong way like you know alfier knows how to get some dna there you go but but on the (laughs) other hand even though he's in prison, whoever he got that strand of hair for may already have it. So yeah, probably right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I love and that. this you know again crazy wacky conspiracy theory. Like, does this mean that you know Alfred's real parents are somehow you know behind the conspiracy? Like after they lost her, they became obsessed with the time portal. 
This, the, the hacks writing room would be considering that option probably. But Well, Fred feels there are too many open threads. And I guess my response would be, yeah, maybe, but I'll, I'm certainly fine with the answers we've been given and the questions that have been posed. So I really love the direction the show has headed. Um, you know, he gives the episode a B minus and, and a B for the overall season. I I'm giving this episode an A. I mean, yeah, I'm, this episode for sure a full on A. And the season I'm giving an A minus. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So you know, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree there. Although uh, I will say, Fred mentions Alice in Borderland, and you know, he, he brings that up in the context that we had mentioned we were considering doing that. And I've now seen the first two episodes of Alice in Borderland, and I too, Fred, am underwhelmed at this point. And it's, I, I'm telling you, man. I know. I'll keep going. I, you know, I just uh, it's just going to be one at a time, I guess. Um, so, uh, you know, we will see. I'll I'll keep going. I'll keep going. But all right. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm fully confident in my my backing of that show. Okay. I uh, it, it gets my fullest. Com- I am not doubting, and. Uh, so just I'm just that's all I'm saying. All right. Well, we will leave our discussion of Beforeigners there. Uh, hopefully, we won't have to wait too long for season two. But as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, next week we're going to be joined by Michael R. We're going to talk about witches and see what the hell happens from there. It's it's going to be a low key discussion and while we'll have a framework uh, yeah who the hell knows where it's going to go so right join us for that the week after we will begin looking at hbo max's series the nevers that will do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about be foreigners anything going on in the sci-fi world send us an email sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. We'll be back, as we said, to talk about witches next week. Until then. You know, it's it's getting warmer out, Dave, and it's the time of year where I can say the grill is my responsibility. <laughs>